0: This week on the recruitment flex, I go to lunch with Shelly and forgot my wallet. Pretty convenient, right? Canada's plan to poach H 1B visa holders performs way above expectation. And should you train your whole company to be influencers? We definitely think so. Plus, is background screening still relevant? TRF starts after this message from our partner at Van Hack. Hey there, Shelley. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated
0: for tech professionals. Tech-savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly? It's great to see you on camera, but it was even better seeing you in person.
1: Ah, yes. Well, it really was nice to have some time to just strategize, think about what we're going to do next. And thank you for picking the place to go. It was your idea to go out and just be away from our desks and meet and talk and strategize. You led the agenda. You were very well prepared, except for one minor detail. (laughs) You just conveniently forgot your wallet, couldn't pay for parking, who's going to pay for, who kept ordering beers? I'm (laughs) drinking water, but there you are. Oh, we'll have another round. (laughs) And then realize you have no wallet, but I don't mind. You, You did all the organizing. And so I think the least I could do was pay for your beer and your lunch.
0: Well, I appreciate Shelly, Shelley, and that never happens. I'm usually really organized when it comes to that type of stuff, but it was my dating strategy. I never paid for lunch, dinner, or anything while dating. I just always forgot my wallet. So I guess the same (laughs) applies to you. You know the story of how I forgot my wallet is the day before I go on bike rides, right? And I have a fanny pack. So... I put on my fanny pack and I put like my wallet and my phone and any my keys, whatever I need. So just picture me with a fanny pack. And I forgot to take my wallet out and carry it on me, so hence the reason I forgot my wallet. So thank you. Lunch was we'll get great. Get you a man purse. Yeah, no, thank you. And this is just for bike riding. Shelly, do you know what I'm excited about though? I, is... I do. So we I'm talked.
1: Equally excited.
0: <laughs> we talked about Sorry, rec tech. Sorry, rec.
1: Fest. Yeah.
0: REC Fest in Nashville, September 14 and 15. I got the dates right this time. No. Right? Oh, <laughs> I <don't
1: know. laughs> Serge, I don't know why you've got this mental block about the dates for REC Fest.
0: So, what are the dates?
1: They're September 13, 14.
0: Isn't that what I just said?
1: No, you said 14, 15.
0: Okay. All right. Those yeah. dates, Just look it up. Look, fest USA. Look it. It's
1: 1314 because it's a Wednesday, Thursday.
0: There you go. So we are going to be there. And you and everyone listening better be there because it's going to be a ton of fun. The other news is HR Tech in Las Vegas, October, I think 12. Actually look that up as well. We are going to be podcasting live from one of our favorite companies in this industry, mm-hmm. Canadian, blowing up like crazy. And we're going to be at their boot podcast. And we might have some surprises there. So if you want your the Recruitment Flex t-shirt and we've got some clever concepts, come meet us there. We'll give you more detail as we get closer to it. But very excited about it, Shelly.
1: Yes, I'm excited about HR tech as well and being part of the Plum team. I I, I I wasn't going to mention Plum yet,
0: but okay, you, you just yes, cut the bag. You just did. No, I did. I just said they were a Canadian HR tech company, one of our favorites, but uh, you're leaking everything. Last week, you leaked that we might be on Disrupt stage. This week, you're leaking Plum. I'm never mentioning names until they're locked but in. How but can we not?
1: Time. When James Ellis goes on, LinkedIn announcing that he's going to be co-hosting the Disrupt Stage as well with Chad and Cheese. How can we not be saying anything?
0: Well, he's, he's official. We haven't locked in anything. We still haven't had the conversation. It's just been a Texas change. He's probably locked it in. But anyways, Wreckfest, okay. Okay. HR Tech, we're going to be there. We want to see you there. What's next, okay. Shelly?
1: So Serge, I heard a term this week. And I couldn't help but conclude what it might mean. I heard an organization refer to a process that they were undergoing called organizational hygiene. Have you ever heard of that? Have you heard it used?
0: No, I I really don't know what it means. I didn't even Google it because really, like, it's probably stupid.
1: Well, you know, I think back to an HR business partner that I worked with years ago where I would sit in a meeting with him, and he would be presenting his part of the information or whatever, and I would honest to God walk out of that meeting and say, I don't know what he just said. It was baffling people with bullshit. And so I heard this term, organizational hygiene, and is it not meant to baffle and confuse anyone that hears it? Because for you to stop and say, oh, does that mean you're cleaning house? <laughs> Hygiene to me means clean. So I think they're doing a right sizing, a downsizing. I think they're laying people off without actually calling it that. It's to baffle and confuse. And if you have to ask, then you must be stupid.
0: Yeah, baffling with bullshit is my whole life story and career trajectory. I think you're right. I think this is just a layoff. That's what they're talking about. And no one likes to say the words layoff. And this is such corporate speak, right? We can never actually really say what we mean. We have to come up with terms that are more appropriate or less controversial, But if I'm going to get laid off, I don't want to be part of organizational hygiene. Like, how do you explain that? I don't know. It looks like like you got
1: some sort of venereal disease. Exactly. Why would you come up with that, especially after the last three years of lockdown where we had to disinfect everything? Corporate hygiene must mean that you're ridding yourself of any germs within the organization.
0: There you go. Another bullshit term that no one (laughs) will care or cares about, but... Here you are, I corporate. Was,
1: I thought it was funny. Anyways. Yeah, it's okay. pretty funny. What do we got going on in the news? So we had recently on the show your friend and mine, Ella, from Van Hack, and he was on the show to talk about this new H one B visa program that Canada introduced. He said, "I don't know. I don't think this is going to catch on very quick." He was predicting about a thousand. On the show, you also challenged him, said, no, I think it's going to be a little more than that. Well, sure enough, the news this week is within 48 hours, all 10,000 applications were done. Program is full within 48 hours. So I do have to take my hat off to Ela because he was the first one on LinkedIn to come back out and say, hey, I was wrong and I am happily wrong. In my prediction that only a thousand people would take it up. So you were right.
0: Well, there's a couple of factors, right? And for the audience in the U.S., an H-1B visa allows highly skilled foreign-born individuals to work in the country for three to six years, but requires sponsorship by an employer and often provides no meaningful path to permanent residency. And I absolutely think it's brilliant by Canada, right? We are not doing any of the vetting. The vetting has already been done by the U.S., so why mm-hmm. not just make it easier for them to come north of the border? One of the factors that Elia was talking about that is going to be a concern is the big difference in pay in the tech sector in the U.S. compared to Canada, thinking a lot of people are not going to come because the pay is going to be a lot less. But if they lose their employment and they're looking, the minute that they say they need to be sponsored, companies are not jumping at that, right, in the U.S. This gives them the alternative to come to Canada, figure out that this is a way better place to live. And no offense to the U.S., right, but no, I, I love our U.S.
1: neighbors. Or go bankrupt if somebody in your family gets sick.
0: Exactly. Or pay
1: $60,000 a year just to ensure your health care,
0: Right. Maybe initially they're going to think, well, this is something I can do temporarily, but I think they're going to fall in love with Canada, not with the winters, but with Canada, and they're going to stay here. And I am so happy we're doing this. And the U.S. is not going to do anything to counter it. Right now, it's so politically divided in that sense when it comes to immigration in the U.S. Mm -hmm. that they're not going to do anything to Mm -hmm. stop this or to counter this. And for us, let's just take advantage of that pre mm-hmm. vetted top talent that is willing to come to Canada with this new program with H1B visa. I want to jump into news and we talk about Elon Musk a lot too and much. well, I don't think too much. I Elon- know you have
1: a crush on him. So go ahead, Serge. What's new this week with Elon
0: well, I don't have a man crush. I'm really much on the fence, but I give him full credit. The guy is the genius of our century. The ability to what oh, he's done please. with SpaceX and Test Shelly.
1: Serge. Oh my Shelley, god. Shelly,
0: you, you need don't to think read- that's
1: a man crush when you th- call him the most brilliant of our generation.
0: He is. What there, else? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Like the guy puts commercial space rockets at one-tenth of the price that the government did. No one has ever done this in the world. And the trajectory to be able to accomplish something like that is insane. The same with Tesla. I'm not a fan with what he's done with Twitter. This week, he is rebranding Twitter to X. And like anything that Elon does, it became a little bit of a shit show, right? First of all, he did not own the Twitter handle X. He was begging the guy on Twitter to give him the X handle. He got the Twitter sign removed in San Francisco, did not get any permits or anything like that. And now there's questions that the X trademark is actually owned by someone else. I believe it was Microsoft. So there's a lot of operational items that really are not right. But for people that have been following Elon and followed the PayPal story, no one is really surprised that he's rebranding to X because he had X company. Oh, I think 25 years ago, it was his first foray and then it merged with PayPal and ended up losing the X. So we'll see what happens on that end. But in news that is related to our industry, Twitter launches job listings from ATS or XML. So they have launched Twitter hiring, which is free post job listings from verified organization. They haven't made an official announcement, but a lot of people have tweeted it out with all the details. I don't know if you remember, but Twitter... Like in 2008, 2009 was one of the prime place to recruit from and still is when it comes to sourcing tech talent. So I think this is interesting in a way because to be a verified organization, you have to um, I think it's a thousand dollars a year. But look at the user base. It's 528 million users. It might work, might not, I don't know. But I think it's interesting that Elon is having a foray into the talent acquisition market. And as you probably know, Twitter acquired Lasky, I think a couple of months ago, which was in the HR tech space. So this might be just a synergy of what they're trying to do in the future.
1: Yeah, interesting. It'll be interesting to see who's going to take them up on it. Right now you can upload five or you can feature five postings. I don't know if this solves much other than just another channel to advertise your jobs on. Good on them for understanding that you need to have this feeding back to an ATS because that's where I believe it failed so badly. I think they tried back in 2011 or 2012. There was some talk about how Twitter could be used for tweeting out jobs. But when you've got the character limit, it's really hard to communicate if all you're communicating is a job title, right? It's like saying, I need a doctor when what you need is a dentist or an ophthalmologist. Definitely, I'm watching.
0: Let's see yes, what works, if it works.
1: Yeah. One more piece of news, Serge. And that is my friend DJ Saul over at Goldman Sachs. We know what he's up to. He's been very clear about the culture that he's built there. In news this week, the former chief of recruitment for Goldman Sachs, is actually suing the company for what he calls bullying or a bullying culture. He's suing the investment bank for a million pounds. In Canadian, that's like 2.5 million.
0: Something like that.
1: Something like that. But he claims that employees would come to him and they would be in tears, suffering breakdowns. And this was Directly related to the work and to the work culture. And so he's taking a stand right from the top of the house, suing the company after he's left for having this culture of high pressure and excessive work hours, not because it's required, but it's expected that that's how you work. Serge, any surprises here?
0: All I'm going to say is, has to do. Never read anything on Goldman Sachs? Has he not watched Wolf of Wall Street, Boiler Room? Does he not know what type of culture this type of organization is? I was reading through it and I'm like, dude, really? Let me read a couple of things. So, like you said, employees frequently express distress by crying and sobbing. True meaning was common behavior according to documents filed in a high court. And then he's talking about the bullying comments such as, Take that as your first punch in the face or reference to staff members receiving a slap or punch were condoned. I, I'd like to know what those slapping punches were. These are, are dude bros. What you watch in Boiler Room is reality, right? Of course, it's a grueling workplace culture. We all know that Shelly you can either choose to go work there or if that's not what you want to do that's fine go work at Whole Foods or Lululemon this is high pressure this is the type of culture they bred similar to Elon right not a lot of people want to work for Elon but the ones that do that's the culture they want and the people that work at Goldman Sachs it's high pressure grueling hours But you get to make a ton of money and you get to leave the organization and have Goldman Sachs on your resume. That's the trade off. So, dude, you should not have gone to Goldman Sachs.
1: Yeah, it's kind of how could you be surprised? His name's Ian Dodd, and he previously held positions. These are senior recruiting roles for Expedia and Skype, as well as a number of consulting gigs that he's done in the past. So anybody who's in talent acquisition, certainly at that level, should understand employer brand and could not be surprised. So one thing I will defend, Serge, if you are leading a team of people and if you are getting like on a daily people coming to your office that are sobbing through meetings and highly distressed, it is your responsibility as a leader to do something. And so if that something is calling out bad behavior, like honestly, I get the good old boys network thinking of, oh, what? You can't take it. Let me see the back of your hand. How thick is that skin there? Oh, you better toughen up. I've heard that myself in the corporate world. Take out of the fact that this is Goldman Sachs. I don't care where you work. If you're a leader. You had better take the bullet for your staff members. Good old boys. You know what? That may have worked back in the Mad Men era, but there's some limits to what you can say to people. You just don't have free reign to treat people like crap
0: just because
1: you're Goldman Sachs. So I get it. Ian Dodd, you should have figured that out before you ever took the job, that their culture is just that, but also good on you for standing up for your people.
0: Well, there's nothing that says that it was his employees. It's Goldman employees frequently express distress by crying and sobbing through meetings. Is that him? So I'm not oh, buying that. Look, He's Serge, trying what to kind part- of
1: guts would it take for anybody to file a high court? This is in the UK. What kind of guts would you have to file something against Goldman Sachs knowing it would become global news? You better have your facts straight. I can't imagine anybody with a half a brain in their head taking on a company like Goldman Sachs and filing something to the high courts of the UK.
0: For $2.5 million?
1: Yeah, I don't think he's asking enough.
0: <laughs> oh, we'll disagree on that one because <laughs> it's going to get thrown out.
1: Or it's such a small amount, they'll pay it and they'll just go, oh, away with you.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's a
1: rounding error to them.
0: Exactly. So, Shelley, what's the tip of the week?
1: So, tip of the week. I'm going to go on a little bit of a spree here over the next few weeks with my tip of the week. And these are things of how we can use AI to be better recruiters. And I'm going to start with our LinkedIn profiles. If you take a look at how you describe the work that you do, do a copy-paste, drop it into ChatGPT, and ask it to rewrite this in clear, concise language. Simple. Because I think everyone struggles with the ability to describe, first of all, your own kind of summary statement. Let ChatGPT help you. It won't be perfect, but it's going to make you better. So tip of the week is just that. Rewrite your LinkedIn profile statement using AI.
0: So Shelly, I think that's brilliant. And I agree. What makes us better at writing it than ChatGPT? Like anything from AI or ChatGPT, go in, edit, make the adjustments. Don't just paste and copy. It's funny because I saw a resume. You know, at the end it says, this is just for informational use. Make sure that you're matching the skills to the job, whatever. Like it's the wording from ChatGPT. Well, they forgot it on their resume. They left the prompts. <laughs> not awesome. the prompt itself, but the bottom part of it, where it's a disclaimer. Oh, type yeah, where of it thing? says, yeah.
1: always check your facts. Yeah, uh, I'm like, oh, no.
0: It just made me think of when we say that AI will not replace people. I'm telling you, Shelly, AI will replace people like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But
0: great tip. Let's jump into recruiting insights and there was a really interesting article in Fortune with the chief people officer at Cisco Kelly Jones was interviewed and one of the things that she's doing is she's trying to train her 84,000 employees to become influencers and and here's the rationale behind it they've realized that when their hiring managers are actively involved and have a brand when it comes to recruiting first of all they get better attraction from people trying to work there, but they also get better retention. So what they've done is anyone in the organization can take these courses or these training internally that helps them like how to craft your LinkedIn profile. How can we help you write messages of a day in the life? They're really focusing on it to be on that personal brand that translates to the corporate brand, which I think is genius because recruiting is a team sport it's more like football than it is like tennis and what kelly was saying here i thought it made a lot of sense is we know that we have 84,000 brand ambassadors and we recognize that it's just not the recruiting organization's responsibility to bring talent here it's everyone and if someone's interested why not let's give them the training and it's worked really well for them how has it helped you what's been the results the reduced time to fill for positions is about five days shelly what's your thoughts on this
1: so this is so brilliant i shy a little bit away of thinking you're going to create influencers however i love the idea of recruitment as a team sport because I believe what they're really doing is showcasing what type of work they have to offer. So they focused on emerging areas because if you're looking to attract new talent, getting the people who currently work there to talk about security, okay? Security may not be the most sexy topic. However, if you are in that very narrow segment of technology, And you are looking for content or looking for, where are my people? Where's my tribe? And you realize that over at Cisco, they've actually got a super sophisticated security group. You go and look at somebody's LinkedIn profile and they make it sound interesting to who? Other security people. Yeah. Oh God, it's so smart. Like it is so smart. And When you upskill someone to boast in their own lingo about what they do, like how a security IT person would talk, the real result and what they've proven is retaining the top 20% of their tech talent has actually increased, not just attracting, because here's the other thing that they didn't talk about in this article. LinkedIn will tell you with complete confidence that the number one thing people do is look at other people in your own company. So, us in talent acquisition, HR, and recruitment, we're always looking at what everyone else is doing. But the most common thing for an internal employee is I'm super interested in what another department is doing, or what someone in another department is doing, or Before you go into a meeting with a group of people from another department, you'll actually see an increase of them looking at each other's LinkedIn profile, Mm. which I know a lot of HCMs have tried to duplicate, but have always failed because why would you do it in two places? Anyways, it promotes greater camaraderie within the organization. And that's why you will see an increase in engagement much easier when you've got the right people talking to the right people it's brilliant way to go yeah
0: i completely agree and it goes in the adage when we had joel lalji on the show where talking about his efforts outbound have brought him the inbound automatically and if you think about it in sales and sales recruiting very relatable on a day-to-day basis i don't know if you're getting the same but I am getting bombarded on LinkedIn from different type of salespeople. I never respond to anyone. I actually end up reaching out to people that are, I keep seeing them on LinkedIn. They look like they know what they're talking about. I get to know them, like not directly, but from social media. No. I am way more comfortable with dealing with that person. And we are going to start seeing that in recruitment way more. But I know you did something similar to this like years ago, right? 2010. (laughs) There you go. 2010. So I was
1: working at NMAX and the challenge was engineering talent because they were building the Shepard Energy Center at that time and always thinking we're competing with the energy sector. So the challenge was this, what can we do to showcase that we have really interesting work So we offered Lunch and Learns, anyone who wanted to come, we provided lunch and we gave them ideas, specifically the engineering talent inside all the different departments of the company to come and help them write a LinkedIn profile that better described the work that they're working on. Like nothing confidential, nothing secretive, but what did it mean? What was your part as an engineer on that project? And why was that exciting for you? There was so many opportunities. And the result was an increase in being able to recruit when we posted a job for an engineer. Again, they were very specialized, specific engineering types. We had a better quality response, because we knew the job seekers would go look at their LinkedIn profiles. Serge, that was 2010. What year is it? It's 2023. You are doing oh, wow. that in 2010.
0: Let's jump into the next recruitment insight.
1: So our next one is talking about the 4 to 6 p.m. dead zone. You know, I use Microsoft Teams and I'm completely Microsoft. I know you're a fan of Apple products, but I often wondered, they really do have access to productivity. They know exactly when I'm online. Anybody on my team, I can see by the color of the dot when I'm sending them an email what they're doing if they're busy, available, or wide open. So I often wondered, is Big Brother watching? Big Brother meaning Microsoft. And in fact, this article said that there was a one-month data sample of the Microsoft Teams software usage that took a look at work pattern shifts. So between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., it fell by 7% compared to the year prior companies who believe in productivity, this should be like a non event to them. But I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think this is going to be another way for companies to baseball bat people back into the office. The belief is that people are out golfing, people are leaving early. And you know what, if you got your work done, who cares? But in companies where you're punching the clock, it's a little different thing because they have actually found a 143% increase on Wednesdays for golf tee times between four and six in 2022 versus 2019. So what do you think of that?
0: Well, first of all, did you know that you are big brother because you could be pulling all the data from your employees. You can actually go in Microsoft Teams and you have access to that data. So if your team is listening, Shelly's checking you out just for you to know.
1: <laughs> no. You do what, what is, you
0: said you were going to do. I'm good. What a stupid article what a stupid article. Oh, there's less meetings from 4 to 6 p.m. Of course there is, right? Because we've realized what's important and we've realized how to manage our times a whole lot better. People are realizing, okay, I'm going to leave early so I can miss traffic, spend more time with my kids, and I'll take that hour at night after I put the kids to bed, which is what I do, and get that work Done. So people are thinking in different ways, right? Would I rather leave at five and it's going to take me 45 minutes or half an hour extra because traffic is just crazy or leave at four, get home at 430, see my family. And then when I put the kids to bed, I start work or get whatever I needed to get done. The golf thing, I don't even want to think about it because there's a couple of factors in the last couple of years that have changed dramatically people are retired. A lot of people are retired and we've gone through that data. Remember when Jason Putnam told us that deals in this industry happen at 2 a.m. at In-N-Out Burger? Well, yeah. guess what? There's tons of deals that are done on the golf course as well for both men and women. So when I'm reading that, it's like just another article to be like, we need you in the office. But in reality, it doesn't make sense anymore. And I have a very close friend that just started work after not being at work for a couple of years. And the commute is the craziest thing. It's so stupid for me, like to think about it, because basically she leaves for 11 hours a day and works eight hours, right? Like it's an hour commute each way, then getting to your car from downtown. All of this takes a ton of time. She goes into an office to do Zoom calls, which it's just ridiculous to me that we're going to spend two to three hours commuting that in that time, you could be going to the gym, being healthier. You could be taking time with your kids. This is probably written from some 65-year-old guy being like, we need to do some research. People are not working four to six. Oh, well, fuck off. What is this? Like 1982? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Bit of a rat here.
1: That is a bit of a rant, but a good one. And I did, when I read this article, feel the same way. It's a bit of a baseball bat to say that there is a dead zone. There always was. So good point. If you're counting the minutes, then employees are going to start counting the pennies.
0: Exactly. Poison. I want to um, jump into the last insight. Okay. Okay, go. Sherm, our friend at Sherm, released an article and it was a research that was done by Hire right who is a background check company, basically mm-hmm. saying that speed is more important to employers than accuracy of results when choosing a background screening provider. Obviously, right is not very fast, in my opinion. So I think they wrote this article and did this research and be like, hey, it's not about speed, it's about accuracy. Because I've used right and they take forever and their accuracy... It's not better than other vendors that I've used, like Checker or even some old school ones. What's the old school one? Yeah, Yeah, Sterling. Sterling Sterling back check. Yeah. So in this surveys, what they looked at, there's a couple of things is social media screening remains underused. Third-party social media screening conducted by outside firms continue to grow, but is still just at 10%, which was at 6% in 2022. I think the biggest concern there for everyone is that it's not growing as quickly. And there's companies like our friends at Fama who do it really well, is that employees, recruiters, or managers are going in and checking people's social media accounts, which is a big no-no because you can't unsee what you've seen. And it's going to start incurring some bias. The other thing that this called out was something I've never heard of outside of government is continuing screening post-hire. So it says that 52% of North American employers with screening programs do not conduct post-hire screening. I've never heard of anyone doing this outside of the government or obviously working with drivers. If your license gets taken away from you, yeah, well, that's a requirement for your job. I'll read to you exactly what they said and folks in talent acquisition, you're Brains might blow. In the past, the head of HR was more involved in the screening process, and it was previously done more for executives and safety and security-sensitive roles. But now, screening falls into recruiting, where speed is paramount. Recruiters want to hire people quickly, and the screening systems are now found in the applicant tracking system. Basically, this gentleman is saying, well, when it was HR, it was fine, but now it's in recruiting. They just want speed. They just want to get people through. I think a big part of it is the reality of the labor market that we've worked in. Shelly, I know there's a lot of information in this particular article, but what was your take on this?
1: Do you know how they say, be nice to your customers? What this article just did was say the reason they're being criticized as an organization that takes too long is because HR is no longer involved. Like how self-serving and blaming talent acquisition and recruitment. Like that is the bottom line here like talent acquisition doesn't care about quality. This was brutal. I I feel like we should be shaming them and we should be shaming Sherm for publishing such a thing. Like did nobody need- proofread this? And you know the whole idea about conducting social media checks that are not required? I think it's a very niche type of role in organization or even level inside an organization where social media screening should be done. Because the first thing you think of is just that I'm just going to go look at your Facebook. That is not what social media screening is. It absolutely is not. And yes, our friends at Fama have fixed it. It's just adding misinformation in my opinion. So again, shame on you Sherm for doing that. And the last one is, 52% of North American employers with screening programs don't do not do post hires Are you saying then that 48% do? Who? Who's the 48% that continues to screen employees after they've been hired? And so the screening is usually criminal background checks. Yeah. Do you believe that 48% of companies have you sign off on an annual criminal background check? To make sure you've not been arrested since the time we hired you till today. Do they really do that?
0: Well, I was going to ask you because you've worked for bigger corporations than I have. I've seen this in the government and certain like, type of roles, but that's what I was reading. 48% of companies do continuous background checking to all their employees. And that lost all credibility to me because I've never heard of it. Have you? Is this new to you?
1: Rescreening or ongoing monitoring. So yes, the the only place but you use the perfect example, and that was drivers. So yes, as a condition of your employment, you must provide a driver's abstract on an annual basis. Yes. Yes. It's an insurance requirement because you're driving company vehicles and it is a requirement of your employment. If you get a DUI, you have to tell your supervisor. That is clearly laid out in your employment agreement because we can't let you drive if you've been charged with a drunk driving. So that's one very small narrow. That could not possibly be 48 percent of the two thousand employers that they surveyed like it can't be so no. what else is it this to me just seemed unbelievable so if any of our listeners are working for a big global corp that participated in this survey please tell us what is it that the ongoing screening is about what are you screening them for
0: So Shelly, this was so self-serving by hire, right? Because you're like, you need to do more social media screening. Oh, you got to focus more on accuracy than speed because they're not really good in speed. And then you should be doing post-hire screening as well. Basically, they're selling in this article. Everyone their services. They're being like, "Oh, you're stupid of not doing this." Forty eight percent of companies do this, and I'm like, "Oh, I don't do it. We should be doing that." Like, I can just picture, yeah, uh, Susie the HR lady there or Jim the HR guy sitting me, like, "Oh, we're not doing that." Oof. We got to be doing, let's call hire, right? Let's get it done. I think that's the purpose of this article. I even regret talking about this in a way, but I think the important thing is speed is still very important. And when it comes to background screening, I am a proponent in certain roles. It shouldn't even matter, especially in entry level. So Shelly, another fantastic episode, man, you are good. good. You're so good. It was fun. Thank you so much. Audience, thank you so much for listening and join us next week. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today, but your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant.
1: Mm, This is where our friends at RecText come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. This is the last stop on this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway.